Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death and UFOs, and other creepy, Cults. weird, random ghosts. There you go. Yeah. Not uh, just naming things in the room. The 1980s was a remarkable era for cinema, leaving an indelible mark on popular culture that still resonates today. It was a time when big hair, neon collars, and shoulder pads were in vogue, and the silver screen transported audiences to worlds both familiar and fantastical. From heartwarming tales that tugged at our heartstrings to pulse-pounding adventures that kept us on the edge of our seats, the 80s had it all. From action-packed blockbusters like Indiana Jones and Die Hard, to comedic gems like Ghostbusters and Back to the Future, the 80s gives us with unforgettable characters, quotable lines, and imaginative worlds that captured our imagination. Beyond the compelling stories, the 80s introduced us to a new wave of visionary directors who pushed the boundaries of filmmaking. From Steven Spielberg's mastery of spectacle and fantasy to John Hughes' ability to capture the essence of teenage angst, these creators left an indelible imprint on the cinematic landscape. So dust off your VHS tapes, cue up your favorite 80s soundtrack, and join us as we celebrate the magic of a decade that continues to enchant audience of all ages. In part one, we cover Joel's top five films from the 80s, License to Drive, Stand By Me, Back to the Future, Batman, and RoboCop. In part two... By the way, Batman and RoboCop is not a movie. It was Batman oh, and RoboCop. I want that movie now! In part two, we'll look at my top five 80s films. As we said in part one, these are the movies we loved in the 80s, not necessarily the 80s movies that we watch later in life and now love. Yeah, there's a difference. This is Middle Age Mediocre. I'm Cash. Guitar Solo! I'm Joe! Weekly, weekly, wow! <laughs> yeah! And this 80s. is our top 10 80s movies, part two. Part D. <laughs> What's going on? In the 80s, man. That's, sequels were big in the 80s. Sequels were huge in yeah. the 80s. Like, uh, you know, you got, you, got, you, got, you got all the movies that had another movie after them. <laughs> yeah. Think of all those. Trilogies weren't bad either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think the 80s is when sequels really started Lethal to... Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon 2 is the 80s, I bet. Three and four were later on, obviously. Yeah, Lethal Weapon 2 had to still be the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can check real quick because I have a computer do, in front of yep, me. Right there it is. 89, 89 Lethal Weapon okay. 2. Yeah. Of course, Back to the Future, Karate Kid. 89 was a good year for movies. Uh, good just, year for humans. That's when my girlfriend was born. Just looking at it real Big quick. Fan. Batman, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Halloween 5, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, 4, 5, Friday 13th. Five of those in the 80s. Jason Takes Manhattan. Seven of those in the 80s, probably. Shocker. Ooh, shocker. Uh, Little Mermaid. Yeah, lots of good movies in 80. I found Little Mermaid 2 at uh, Salvation Army on VHS. <coughs> I did not know there was a 2. Me neither. It's there. <laughs> most, I guess, like, I'm finding most Disney movies yeah. do have a part 2. Yeah, and but... I have, like, Aladdin 2, and, like, there's one about Jafar. There's a Lion King 2. I bought a lot. I had a bunch of them in there. You took it to Jafar. <laughs> shut it down! That's y'all. You gotta cut it up. And put that out. Oh my god! I'm impressed with that. That was wow. You're down. You are rubbing off on me. Well, all over you. All over me. <laughs> you try to stop me. I had the arch nemesis joke. Oh my god, dude, that was. Now it's, it's like two. you were waiting for me to bring, like, every time I come over, you're like, please talk about Aladdin 2 and how they even made another one about Jafar. God, I wrote that joke down two <laughs> years ago, and I've just been waiting. Is that why all this Aladdin's crap out? you just trying to, like, drop it? Subliminal hints? hints. That's why oh. I decided this podcast, I was like, all right, he's not getting it. We're going to start talking about 80s movies. Yeah. It's the yeah. only way. Oh, good work. <laughs> it's a long con. Uh, but, yeah, this will be uh, part two of our Top 10 80s movies. Uh-huh. This is going to be my list. The lesser important list. The lesser important <laughs> list. We saved because we wanted to get the good ones out of the way. Honestly, looking at like my the list. The whole time, if you would have put yours first, we're like, yeah, but what about Joel's top five? Yeah. People would have probably not listened, yeah. which 
People aren't listening. <laughs> oh, wow. So, oh, they're waiting for both times. We may have uh, miscalculated oh, on that one. No one cares about 80s movies. Uh, yeah, those. apparently not. Uh, I'm, up with, I'm 80s up with oh, them. Oh, oh, it's not a good Jafar. So looking uh, after we did your list last week, because I, I knew what they were because you had to send them to me so I could uh-huh. get ready. But uh, the, the success of yours... Compared to the success of mine, uh-huh. is like I don't have the same taste that most of the public has apparently. Because yeah. like I was, I'm reading. You know, we'll get to it, but not many of my movies uh, did what you would call well. Oh yeah, mine had pretty high yeah. scores. Mine were yeah, yeah. Like yours made money. Well, that, yeah, I think not yeah. many of mine did. That doesn't make them good though, right? I mean, they're good because they're in my top five, but you know, a lot of that's not because. Oh, well, I liked how the screenwriting was and the lighting and the, well the editing was top notch like no just, I, I just like it yeah they just they, they made me happy as a kid in the 80s so we're gonna get into mine uh we're gonna start with uh Let's i just get all up in them guts <laughs> <laughs> i just watched this one last night and god damn does it hold yeah still to this day we're gonna talk about the princess bride i haven't seen that I cannot believe you've never seen The Princess Bride. I can tell you about it. It's got like... Uh, and that's how good it is. Robin Hood? That guy that plays Robin yes. Hood? Yes, Carrie Yules. Yep, he's in yeah. it. And uh, Andre the Giant's in yes. it. Yes. And uh, not Billy Crystal. Yes. Oh, damn Billy Crystal. Damn Billy Crystal. Okay. <laughs> what else is on your list? See, Let's that's, keep going. that's how great The Princess Bride is. You've never <laughs> seen it and you know about it. Yeah. Uh, it was released on October 9th, 1987 with an... Estimated budget of $16 million. It would go on to gross over $30 million worldwide. It was based on William Goldman's novel of the same name. The Princess Bride tells the story of a swashbuckling farmhand named Wesley, accompanied by companions befriended along the way, who must rescue his true love, Princess Buttercup, from the... Sounds like Mario to me. (laughs) This was the... Yeah, this was the true story of Mario. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He must rescue Princess Buttercup from Prince Humperdinck. Not Bowser. Not Bowser. <laughs> uh, the movie begins with a young boy who is sick in bed and playing hardball on the Commodore 64. I, I never had a Commodore 64. Oh, I thought he was just playing hardball like his mom or something. Like that. I'm not going to get better. Or the Keanu Reeves movie from the 90s. Oh, yeah. Or the 2000s. I don't know. Uh, he's visited All by his grandparents in bed with him. Or well, is he is visited by thing. his grandfather. Okay. Uh, who's not in bed. He shows up. He has a book for him. It's titled, you guessed it, The Princess Bride. A book. Thanks, all, thanks for nothing, Grandpa. That's pretty much what the what kid says to him. This? He opens it up and he goes, a book. <laughs> Which, so I am not like him because I loved books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I usually gift, like, Tim, you know, his daughter, yeah. when her birthday would come around, I would be like, I bought her a book as a gift because I'm still that guy. Yeah. Books Here's cool. books, read them. Kidding. The story transports us to the fictional land of Florin, where we meet the Beautiful prince, or just she's just Buttercup at this point. She's yeah. not Princess Buttercup, and her true love Wesley, a low, a lowly farm boy. Butter stuff, butter <laughs> stuff, <laughs> Buttercup say Buttercup. Their love is pure and unwavering, but Wesley sets out to seek his fortune so he can marry Buttercup and provide a better life for them both. However, tragedy strikes when he is captured by the dread pirate Roberts and presumed dead. Heartbroken, Buttercup reluctantly agrees to marry the villainous Prince Humperdinck, who plans to marry her for his own selfish purposes. Little does Buttercup know that Wesley is still alive and determined to rescue her. Those selfish purposes are he is going to marry her, and then he is going to murder her, and then he's going to blame it on another uh, kingdom so they can go to war. It's a tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Throughout their journey, Wesley encounters a colorful cast of characters, including a Spanish swordsman named Inigo Montoya. I've always appreciated a colorful cast of characters. It's one of my favorite things about movies, is the colorful cast of characters. Beginning, middle, end, (laughs) and then somewhere in the middle... There's a colorful cast of characters. That's why I don't like black and white films. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. Col- the characters aren't colorful enough. <laughs> nope, not at all. Uh, but yeah, he, he meets Inigo Montoya, who is seeking vengeance for his father's murder, a giant named Fezzik with a heart of gold, and a clever and eccentric mastermind named Vazzini. Together they face many obstacles. Not Vazzini. Vazzini dies quickly. Together they face many Fuck obstacles. <laughs> including the treacherous cliffs of insanity, the fire swamp, and Prince Hubbarding's sadistic right-hand man, Count Rugen. As Wesley's quest to rescue Buttercup intensifies, true love proves to be a powerful force that can overcome any obstacle. The story is filled with thrilling swords fights, witty banner, and unexpected, unexpected plot twists. 
Ultimately, true love triumphs, and Wesley and Buttercup are reunited, proving that love conquers all. Returning to the present, Fred eagerly that's the kid, eagerly asks his grandfather to read the book to him again, expressing his love for the story. The grandfather, moved by his enthusiasm, promises to read it to him as many times as he wishes. The film ends with the two sharing a heartfelt moment, highlighting the power of storytelling and the enduring magic of the Princess Bride. Fred Savage plays the grandson. Peter Falk plays his grandfather. Fred motherfucking Savage? Fred Savage. Damn, Wonder Years. So you had the Corys. You yeah. will notice... Fred Savage oh, is a mainstay. Yeah. Fred, <laughs> Fred Savage was the shit, man. He was really I was never a huge fan of the Wonder Years, though. Yeah, I watched it. I mean, I watched it, but yeah. it didn't like really last with me the way his movies uh, apparently did. He uh, also went on to direct some Always Sunny in Philadelphia yeah, episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a big thing in the 80s, too, where like someone was reading the story and like the story started happening. Right. Like, what's the one with, like, the flying dragon? No, the never-ending never story. Never story. Yeah. One of those, like, uh, not Tales from the Crypt, but there's another one where, like, the boy was stuck in the cage, and he's like, let me read these stories to you, because the lady was going to eat him. And it was, like, all those little scary short stories. Huh? Creep show, maybe? Cre- yeah, I think one that is how creep show, show yeah. yeah. But there's a lot more, too, yeah. The whole reading of a book. It's a good way to start a movie. Yeah. Uh, you do one now, though, and people are like, what is happening? Yeah, That's yeah. just, do they not have, have a tablet? Tablet? Carrie Yules plays Wesley. Robin Robin White Wright is Buttercup. Uh, Mandy Patinkin, Wallace Shawn, and Andre the Giant turn in unforgettable roles as Inigo Montoya, Vazzini, and Fezzik, respectively, who are the thieves who originally kidnapped Buttercup. Uh, Rob Reiner, the director and writer of this book, or this movie, had been a fan of the book ever since he was given it as a gift from his father and wanted to make a film adaptation. During production of Stand By Me, that was on your list, yep. released in 1986, Reiner... With Rob Reiner is kind of a mean director. The kids were talking about on Stand By Me, like he would yell at them until they would cry and then really? record them through their seat crying. <laughs> I mean, you know, cry better. <laughs> uh, Reiner had spoken to an executive at Paramount Pictures regarding what his next film would be and suggested the adaptation of The Princess Bride. He was told they could not, uh, leading Reiner to discover that several studios had previously attempted to bring the book to the big screen without success. Those previous, the previous attempts included 20th Century Fox, which paid uh, the writer, Goldman, $500,000 for the film rights and to do a screenplay in 73. Uh, Richard Lester was signed to direct, and the movie was almost made, but the head of production at Fox was fired, and the project was put on hiatus. Goldman bought the rights back to his movie, or his book, uh, with his own money. Other directors had also attempted to adapt the book, uh, including Robert Redford and Norman Jewison. And at one point, Christopher Reeves was interested in playing Wesley. Reiner found success by gaining financial support from Norman Lear, who Reiner knew from All in the Family, and who had funded uh, production of This is Spinal Tap, with the production of The Princess Bride to be distributed by 20th Century Fox. Reiner worked closely with Goldman to adapt the book for the screenplay. And what a screenplay it was. Every scene, almost every scene is memorable in one way or the other. I don't remember any of them. Do you remember who was in it? Yep, I do. The dialogue is sharp, clever, and humorous. The acting is incredible, and the scenes are filled with small moments that feel like a Mel Brooks movie at times. The film is still quoted to this day, and not just one or two quotes, but most scenes include at least one line that someone out there repeats regularly. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I've heard that. Anyone, he that. Anybody want a peanut? That's Andre's big line. Ah, oh, that's why they say that. He's when... got quite a few. Okay. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Mawage. Mawage is what brings us together today. Have fun storming the castle. And of course, as you wish. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds a 98% approval rating based on 80 reviews and an audience score of 94%. When Goldman originally shopped his novel in the early 70s, his first choice for Fezzik was Andre the Giant, whose wrestling schedule left him unavailable for filming. Uh, Goldman's second choice was Arnold who at that time was almost unknown as an actor. However, by the time The Princess Bride was finally greenlit, uh, Arnold was a major film star and the studio could not afford him. Uh, WWF was contacted to ask again about Andre, but were told that the filming conflicted with a wrestling match in Tokyo that would pay him $5 million. Uh, so other tall men were auditioned for the role, including Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Ferrigno, uh, and some dude named Carl Struken, but those did not pan out. 
Andre was hesitant to take the part on the account of the fact that the film's dialogue was in English while he was French and because he was a professional wrestler, not an actor. Furthermore, he was suffering from a ton of pain at this point in his life. Uh, Liam Neeson auditioned for the role, but was turned down due to his height and apparently was offended about that. Oh. But, like, if they're trying to cast Andre the Giant and you're Liam Neeson, maybe this isn't for you, Liam. Near the end of casting, the World Wrestling Federation told the studio that Andre's match in Tokyo had been canceled and he was clear for the role of Fezzik. For his part, Andre found his participation was a gratifying experience considering that no one stared at him on set during production as some sort of freak. But instead, they treated him like a fellow member of the cast. Uh, There are scenes in the movie where Wesley's uh, beginning, he has to, like, uh, he's trying to rescue the princess and uh, the thieves... Kind of, he has to go through each one one by one. Yeah. So the first one he has to like dual sword fighting with, with Inigo Montoya. Uh, then he has to like use strength to beat Andre, and then use wits to get rid of uh, Vizini. But with Andre, like I guess anytime you don't see, if you see like a full body of both of them, like where there's a scene where Wesley's hanging around his neck choking yeah. him out. Like apparently that's just like a like a big doll. Oh. And then, like, any scene that you can't quite see, like, Wesley's feet, there's, they've got ramps built. So that way Wesley can stand on them so he's not, like, putting all the – because Andre's back was just oh, just yeah. shot. Like, oh. there's a bunch of scenes with Andre where he can barely move. <clears throat> like WrestleMania five, Andre. Yeah, yeah, he was already. But, yeah, I rewatched this movie last night. Uh, probably hadn't watched it in close to a decade at this point. Yeah. It's still – I mean – Not good, huh? Not good at all. <laughs> Billy Crystal, his scene, he plays uh, Miracle Max, this, like, uh, guy that he's, like, basically a uh, uh, dude that can make potions and stuff and, like, cures. Yeah. Uh, he apparently improvised most of his lines. And, like, a few of the act- – Carrie Yules and a couple other people had to actually be pulled off the set because they couldn't stop laughing oh. while they were filming. Okay. Yeah, the movie's great. I can't – Talk you, me into it. I don't have it. It's you on – um, what did I watch it on? HBO Max, maybe? Alright. It's just Max. It's just Max. Yeah, Sorry, okay. Max. Can you fucking get Sorry, Max. Uh, yeah, I do recommend it, though. Alright. So, uh, next up is Howard the Duck. Yes. Howard the Duck is a quirky sci-fi comedy film that follows the adventures of Howard. A sarcastic and anthropomorphic duck from another dimension. Howard is accidentally transported to Earth through a scientific experiment going wrong and finds himself stranded in Cleveland. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. To Cleveland? I got robbed there. (laughs) I've been stranded in Cleveland, too. You got robbed there. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) I was at a Ring of Honor show, and they just broke into my car. Oh, it's not like gunpoint or anything. It's like some things that you can't report. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah, took a bag, but also took like... A Game Gear or something like the Nintendo, whatever it was at the time. Game, Game Boy? Boy Advance with a bunch of games. Sons of bitches. Sons of bitches. If bitch. you're out there listening. And the cops are like, we don't care. Right. <laughs> like, you're what? Uh, yeah, you're like, yeah, they stole my, my Game Boy Advance. If you find anything else, <laughs> that wasn't mine. <laughs> that wasn't mine at all. <laughs> Even if it's all in the same like bag and stuff. Unless you want to give it to me. I can get rid of it for If you. you tell me what you find, I'll tell you what was mine and what wasn't. <laughs> All right, Howard. So confused and desperate to find a way back home, Howard befriends a young musician named Beverly Switzler, uh, played by Leah Thompson, who sympathizes with the situation. Together, they navigate the strange and sometimes hostile human world while trying to unravel the mystery of Howard's arrival. As Howard and Beverly delve deeper into the investigation, they discover that an ancient and powerful alien being, being called the Dark Overlord of the Universe is responsible for Howard's unintended trip to Earth. The Dark Overlord plans to use a massive energy laser to bring his alien brethren to conquer the planet. With the help of a quirky scientist named Dr. Jenning, Howard and Beverly embark on a daring mission to stop the Dark Overlord and save Earth. Along the way, they encounter bizarre and amusing characters, including a punk rocker turned lab assistant named Phil Blumbert. As the climactic battle unfolds, Howard must tap into his unexpected bravery and resourcefulness to confront the Dark Overlord and prevent the impending alien invasion. With the fate of both worlds hanging in the balance, Howard discovers his own heroic potential and fights against the odds. In a final showdown, Howard, Beverly, and their newfound allies confront the Dark Overlord and his minions. Through wit, determination, and a bit of luck, they manage to thwart the Dark Overlord's plans and send him back to his own dimension. Having saved the day, Howard and Beverly bid each other farewell. 
Howard, now a celebrated figure, decides to stay on Earth and embrace his new life, using his unique perspective to bring humor and wisdom to the world around him. Howard the Duck oh, Howard. is an offbeat adventure that combines elements of science fiction, comedy, and action. It showcases the unlikely heroism of an interdimensional duck and celebrates the power of friendship, resilience, and embracing one's own uniqueness. It's a lot like Back to the Future. Leah Thompson is very attractive trying yeah. to bang something she shouldn't be banging. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm pretty sure like that was just an 80s, like, you just throw it out in an 80s movie, you got gold. Yep. Worked in Back to the Future, worked in Howard the Duck. Like there's got to be some sort of sexual tension. And they were like, what, even with the duck? Like, yeah, we'll do it. And she's like, yeah, whatever. I'll be in my... Remember when they were looking at the play duck? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that left quite an impression. Uh, the screenplay for Howard the Duck was originally intended to be an animated film, but the film adaptation became live action because of a contractual obligation. Although several TV adaptations of Marvel characters had aired during the preceding 21 years... This was the first attempt at a theatrical release since the Captain America serial of 1944. So Howard the Duck is responsible for the MCU. Wow. If you want to look at it that way. And I, that was like, as a kid, we're like, this is a kid's movie. They're like, no, I'm watching <laughs> it. Since. That's the same with when they made, remember The Punisher with, um, uh, ah, shit. What's his yeah. name? Dolph Lundgren. Was it Dolph Lundgren played The Punisher? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But, like, that was I mean, another Marvel movie, and it yeah. is The Punisher, so it's going to have guns and stuff. Yeah. But, like, definitely not kid-friendly. No. It took, a, it took Marvel a while to be like, maybe <laughs> we should make kids movies? <laughs> uh, Turn it down a touch. George Lucas proposed adapting the comic book following the production of American Graffiti. After multiple production difficulties and mixed response to test screenings, Howard the Ducks was released in theaters on August 1st, 1986, and grossed just shy of $38 million. Barely recovering its estimated $37 million budget. Wow! In 1988? 86. Or 86? I mean, that's a huge budget. Yeah. It wasn't even that good of a like, duck costume. No. Jesus! <laughs> that, half of that was cocaine. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah, we're going to make a duck movie! Let's yeah. go! Yeah, it like... So $38 million was the budget. I think it made like... Uh, 37... Wow. 0.1 something. So... It was, it's a cult classic now, though. Yeah. Uh, upon its release, the film was a critical and commercial failure and was criticized for its humor, performances, inconsistent tone, and appearance of the title character. It's a duck, people. <laughs> uh, though the effects and soundtrack were mostly praised. Howard the Duck currently has an approval rating of 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow! With an audience score of 38%. Wow! Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave one star out of four, calling it a stupid film, and said, The story has no center, the duck is not likable, and... <laughs> the duck is not likable! And the special effects... I need that on a shirt. That's a shirt right there. The duck just is show, not likable. Show a picture of Howard the Duck, and then the duck is not likable. Just the words, the duck is not likable. I'm going uh, to the zoo. The special effects are less impressive than a sparkler on a birthday cake. On their television show, Siskel and Ebert complained that the movie was not enough of a comedy and that Howard should have been given either the Groucho Marx-like personality from his comic books or a fun Donald Duck-like persona. The film's ending left it open for a sequel. However, after the film bombed, that didn't happen. <laughs> That's not happening. According to reports, bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> they talked about it after he made an appearance in the Avengers. Oh, really? So there yeah. may end up being one. Oh, yeah. Uh, according to reports at the time of the movie's Don't release... Don't run out of ideas. Give them a couple years. Yeah. It'll be like a Disney exclusive thing. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a, probably a series. Uh, George Lucas had just built the $50 million Skywalker Ranch Complex and was counting on this film to get him back in the black. Ah! When it bombed, he was forced to start selling off assets to stay afloat. I hope he's okay. I hope he's doing well these Man. days. What's his name? Uh, George... Lucas? 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 Okay. <laughs> George Lucas. Oh, oh, hey, Lucas! I wonder what else he has done. Uh, his friend Steve Jobs, yeah, the CEO of Apple Computer, offered to help buy, offered to help by buying Lucasfilm's newly launched CGI animation division for a price well above market value. Uh, George Lucas, in dire straits and thankful for the assistance, agreed. That division eventually became Pixar Animation Studios. Oh, nice. So, how are the ducks responsible for the MC Universe? <laughs> oh, wow! And Pixar. What did what that guy say? I didn't like the duck. The duck, what did he say? It was a stupid film, and the duck is not likable. The duck is not 
not likable. Yeah, well, you know what? That duck is yeah. responsible for so much money and now. And that dude's dead. Yeah. So, so who won in the end? Yeah, the Howard duck, the duck. The duck. <laughs> the duck is likable. That's right. Fuck Man. you, Siskel. <laughs> and you, Ebert. Stick it in your Ebert. All right, we'll be right back after this ad. Oh. With uh, the last three. The last three. Yeah. And we're back. We were talking about movies in the break. <laughs> we, oh, don't the about, we don't talk about the break. We don't talk about movies. Oh, yeah, we don't talk about what happens in the break. We're talking about current oh. movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, first two, Princess Bride and Howard the Duck. Yeah. Going into number three here with All Dogs Go to Heaven. It is a heartwarming animated film that tells the tale of a lovable canine named Charlie B. Barkin. <laughs> Charlie is a street smart. It's because he's a dog. In the yeah, yeah, okay. okay. I get it. Charlie's. A I've street- seen that movie probably one time. Really? When it came out, what year was it? Uh, oh, you'll get to it. Go ahead. Eighty-nine. Okay. Uh, he's a street smart and charismatic dog who unfortunately finds himself in a bit of trouble. The story begins with Charlie and his loyal companion, a mischievous little dog named Itchy Itchaford. <laughs> they spent. One minute on games. <laughs> exactly one minute. You're like, give me something. Oh, Charlie B. Barkin! He did it again! God damn! Uh, however, their freedom is short-lived. Oh, they, <laughs> so they, they break away from a dog pound. However, their freedom is short-lived when they cross paths. Wait, wait. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Uh, <laughs> who let the dogs out? Who? 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 All right. So, they cross paths with Carface Carruthers, a treacherous bulldog and former friend of Charlie's. Carface. Carface. Oh, like Scarface. Like Scarface. Oh, like Carface. <laughs> uh, I get it. Consumed by jealousy and greed, orchestrates Charlie's untimely demise, sending him to dog heaven. Basically, he run, he gets him super drunk and runs him over with a car. Oh, man. This is a kid's movie. That's a tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah. But Charlie this is a kids movie. <laughs> but Charlie is not ready to accept his fate. Guided by a heavenly dog named Annabelle, Charlie sneaks back to Earth, determined to seek revenge on Carface and reclaim his life. Revenge, that's another good lesson. This is a kids, kids movie. <laughs> good. Remember kids, you always get revenge. It's best served cold. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, if somebody gets you drunk and runs you over the car, uh-huh. you get to leave heaven and come back. To murder that person. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. That's a rule. <laughs> That's like one of the Bible That's verses. in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Returning to Earth as a ghostly figure, Charlie discovers that he has ability the ability to communicate with animals and use this newfound power to his advantage. Uh, I wrote that, and as I read it, I realized that's not true. He does not turn come back as a ghostly figure. Yeah. He comes back and he's just alive again. But he has like a halo or something, right? Uh, only when he's in heaven. Oh, okay. Uh, and he does not have the ability to communicate with animals. Uh, the next line is who can communicate with animals. I was apparently drunk when I wrote this. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't, but I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> uh, so he, yeah, because he comes back from heaven and he has a, when he got when he gets up to heaven, there's like clocks everywhere and watches and like different timepieces, huh. uh, even like a little Disney one, uh, and like uh, his stopwatch. He has like a stopwatch, and he like steals it and he's able to like escape from heaven, but he has to make sure the stopwatch like keeps operating or he'll go like he'll die again. Oh, go back to heaven. So he comes back kind of as himself. He's not a ghost. Stupid. That was me. <laughs> so, once he's back, he befriends a young orphan girl. These movies have poisoned your mind. <laughs> uh, he befriends a young orphan girl named Anne-Marie. Annie? She has the ability to understand and talk to animals herself. Okay. Together, Charlie, Itchy, and Anne-Marie embark on a series of adventures in an effort to outsmart Carface and save Mar- Anne-Marie. Like Scarface! Like Scarface! Okay. Save her from his malicious plans. along Because the, they have to rescue her from Carface... Because Carface has figured out she has this ability, so he uses her to talk to other animals who are involved in, like, uh, literal rat races and things like that. And then he bets on, like... So animals can't talk to animals? Apparently not. She can talk to all of them, though. Wow. So she gets, like, the inside tips, and then he uses them to, like, grow a fortune. Uh, And when Charlie and Itchy save her... Dogs need money. Dogs need money in this world. Dogs need money. Yeah. Okay. So... (laughs) 
And when Charlie finds out about her, uh, they save her. Charlie be barking? He be barking. Okay. And they be saving her. Okay. But not because they want to save her. Yeah. They want to do the exact same they thing. They want money. That Other face, dogs want well, he money. he does. Itchy's just like, I just want to leave. I just want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. We need to, like, we're best friends. Carface tried to murder you once. <laughs> you made it. Let's go somewhere else. And Charlie's yeah. like, no, no, no. We can do the same thing Carface is doing and still be the good guys. <laughs> so, uh, along the way, they encounter a colorful, <laughs> a colorful cast of characters. I used oh, it twice. Nice. Including a lively alligator named King Gator. Which is also, uh, you know how everybody's all upset now these nowadays about like crossdressers and whatever. Yeah. Uh, King, it doesn't bother me. King Gator is a giant crossdressing alligator. Cool. That sings show tunes. Uh, he's awesome. But awesome. like again, people have been doing this forever. Drag's yeah. been a thing forever. They, yeah. Oh yeah. Bugs Let's Bunny. not get political. Bugs Bunny started <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, as Charlie grows closer to Anne-Marie, he begins to experience a change of heart. He realizes the importance of selflessness, love, and sacrifice. Boring! Determined to make amends for his past misdeeds, Charlie puts his own life on the line to protect Anne-Marie from he, harm. What life? He's dead! In the climactic confrontation, Charlie confronts Carface. Oh. Which is like Scarface. It's like Scarface. Showing courage and a new family Wait, does sense he say, purpose. say hello to my little friend? He doesn't. They really, oh. they really... Should Does he have like a giant pile of dog bones? Or he something? doesn't. I don't know why they called him Clarface if they does weren't going to. Does he like kill a guy it. in the bathtub with the he chainsaw? He does drown a guy in a bathtub. No, he like chops him up with the chainsaw. Oh, yeah, he does do that. Though. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's probably why then. <laughs> Through acts of bravery and selflessness, Charlie not He wasn't saves... cross dressing when he did it. No, was... Okay, no. good. Woo! No need to cancel. Close one. Close he's, one. No, he's not woke, Joel. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Charlie. Uh, Charlie not only saves Anne Marie, but also finds redemption and a chance at true happily ever afterness. All Dogs Go to Heaven is a touching and uplifting story that explores the themes of friendship, redemption, and the power of love. It reminds us that even in the face of adversity, kindness and compassion can triumph, and that the bonds we form with others, both human and animal, are precious and everlasting. Directed and written by Don Bluth, alongside Gary Goldman, Don Kunster, and Ken Cromar. You know those guys. Oh, I bet everyone called him Coonster. <laughs> Coonster! Coonster! Get over here! All Dogs Go to Heaven features voice acting from Burt <laughs> Reynolds as Charlie B. Barkin. Oh, man. And uh, Dom DeLuise as Itchy. Dom DeLuise, dude, that's a name I have not heard yeah. in a couple fucking years. He was big in the 80s. He was. And the VHS version I had of this movie when I was a kid, uh-huh. uh, it opens with Dom DeLuise doing like some sales pitch with like the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. But I, I just remember being like, that's itchy. <laughs> he doesn't look anything like him. I think I have this on VHS. I think, Do you? I, I think so. Released. You'll never have it. I don't. Released on November 17th, 1989. It competed directly with. It snuck right in under the deadline. That's almost a 90 movie. Almost. Almost. Uh, unfortunately for all dogs go to heaven, it opened on the same weekend as Disney's Little Mermaid. Are they both Disney movies? No. no okay. Uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven is a is a Bluth production. Uh, so it did not repeat the box office success of Bluth's previous features, An American Tale and The Land Before Time, uh, both of which were almost on this list. Yeah. I had to, it took a, it really hurt me to not have to not be able to include them. <laughs> it was successful. Is that why you're crying when I got here? Yeah. Oh wow. That's why I've cried for about two weeks. My God, dude. <laughs> I. I Started to almost feel bad, but I couldn't no, stop laughing. Don't, don't do that. I, I couldn't stop laughing at you. Yeah, that's the it's appropriate so funny. response. <laughs> oh my god, you're sobbing. Now the poking me with a stick was a <laughs> little rude. Uh, that wasn't a stick, but keep going. <laughs> keep going. All dogs go to heaven was successful on home video though, becoming one of the biggest uh, VHS VH, VHS releases nice. ever. It was followed by a theatrical sequel. I think my case is regular size. I didn't get like a big. Big giant. I don't know if it would have been on clamshell since it was a. Uh... It's a joke because you said the biggest. Oh. oh. Slipped right by me. <laughs> it wasn't good. For good reason. Yep. Uh, it was followed by a theatrical <laughs> sequel, a television series, and a holiday direct to video film. Uh, the film had an estimated budget of $13.8 million and would go on to gross just over $27 million worldwide. Hey, good job. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. No <laughs> wonder all dogs go to heaven. Try to be barking, good boy. It currently holds an under, uh, ugh, It but currently holds an approval rating of 78. <laughs> 44%. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And an audience score of 
Nine. Sixty-three percent. Upon its release, some criticized the film for some of its darker subject material like death, violence, <laughs> theft, drinking, smoking, gambling, <laughs> murder, demons, and a depiction of hell. Whatever, squares! <laughs> really, the first, like, 15 minutes of this movie... <laughs> Uh, when he comes, when he breaks out of like the dog pound, and yeah. he he goes because he thinks him and Carface are still good because they both like have worked together. So he goes back there to get some of his money from like that he's owed. Dogs use money. They use money. Okay. Uh, and there's just like it's gambling, dogs boozing, like smoking big cigars. Like who's what's on dog money? Do you think? Like no, so they use people money. Oh, people money. Yeah. Okay. So there's not special money. Oh yeah, no, dogs. no, no. They're just using American U.S. They can't USD. talk, but they can count money. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> they can talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can talk to each other. <laughs> this uh, there is a a great scene where they uh, they have to uh, go make a bet, a bet uh-huh. on a uh, horse race. I believe it's happening. Dogs with money betting on horse races. Yes. With the little girl. Okay. Oh, with Because she had girl. to talk to the horses to figure oh, it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they do the... Oh, remember Mr. Ed? Or not Mr. Ed. What was the horse movie that yeah, had in the Ed. 80s? Oh. With uh, Bobcat Goldblum. Okay. As... I just found out that movie existed like four nights ago. Oh, it's a good movie. I'm sorry, but... Is it really? I liked it. I watched the trailer and was like, who the fuck <laughs> thought this was a good movie? I can't remember the name of it, but... Uh, oh, I have to look now because I just found out about it the other day. And I was, wow. I watched the trailer for it. Yeah, I watched that movie a lot growing up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we had like eight hair or whatever. So, so the dog has to take the little girl to the horse track to talk to the horses so they can get an advantage on betting to make more money. Yeah. All right. What about this is hard to understand? I'm just making sure. And the way they do this it is... It's a kid's movie. Now, now, a couple things, though. To get the money, they have to steal it from humans. So to do this, Itchy acts injured, and while... Where do they hold money at? They don't They don't have pockets. Well... <laughs> what did that? They have buttholes. They... Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. And while... Uh, uh, Itchy is distracting the humans yeah. by their, you know, because they're they're concerned with him. Uh, Charlie be barking. He Charlie be stealing the wallet out of their pants. If I didn't already have a killer rap name, I think it might be Charlie, Charlie B. Barkin. B. Barkin. If I wasn't already flip switches and didn't already have millions of fans worldwide, right? You don't want to. I don't switch out the brand and become Charlie B. Barkin, but that's a fucking pretty good rap name. Uh, then they do the classic, classic uh, people in a well, dogs and a person in a trench coat on each other's shoulders. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah. They get to more place, money. To place the bet. At least they got somewhere to put money now. They got pockets. Uh, that movie is called Hot to Trot. Hot to Trot. What year? 88. 88. Do we Hot. need to go back and do part one again so you can include it? I might have to. <laughs> I might have to give that an honorable mention. And then uh, on the cover is a animated Bob Goldthwaite sitting with a horse in a business suit. And the horse is saying, when I talk, you're going to laugh yourself horse. It's, so Bobcat in the movie, or is he the voice of the horse? Bobcat's in the movie. Okay. The voice of the the voice of the horse is John Candy. Yeah, that's fucking it. John Candy's the voice of the horse. Blew my mind. Yeah. What was? How did wow. they get John Candy? I don't think I thought of that movie until like for a long time. Until I just thought about that the talking horses. I don't know how they got John Candy for this. Hot to trot. It's the storyline is uh, Fred P. Cheney, played by Bobcat Fred, Goldthwait, yep, yep, yep. receives as inheritance. Just fucking waves of nostalgia rushing me right now. <laughs> receives as inheritance after the death of his mother a speaking horse that also has good knowledge about the stock market. <laughs> With the help of this horse, Fred gains a lot at the stock market of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. It's Bobcat Goldwing. And then I just remembered, speaking of nostalgia, I had completely forgot about this movie. It was a Disney one. Uh, it was a made-for-TV movie called Fuzz Bucket. You remember that at all? No, I don't. <laughs> I tr- it's on the Disney Channel. <laughs> I loved it as a kid. Like as soon as I saw the picture of it again, yeah. like it all came back to me. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I tried to watch it on the Disney Channel. I made it like ten minutes in, and I was just like, "Good God, this sucks." <laughs> <laughs> but it's like Didn't make the list. It it looks like a um like Fuzz Bucket, the creature named Fuzz Bucket, uh-huh. kind of looks like if Alf was like addicted to like heroin. All right. <laughs> like he, yeah, I not see doing it. well. And not doing well. Yeah. Anyways. All right. 
So hot to try. I need to get that on VHS. If you could, that'd be a yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it has a Rotten Tomato score of forty four percent, audience score of the hot to try. No. Oh. What do I have to? <laughs> God damn it! We'll get back. All dogs gonna heaven. I have to see what Hot to Trot has. On hot to Trot is taking over another podcast. <laughs> it's known for it. John Candy. Golly, I can't believe I forgot that. I can hear his voice in my head now, though, because it's basically just John Candy doing his John Candy voice. Uh, it doesn't even have a rating. <laughs> oh, people have voted for it. It's got sixteen reviews, but wow, the audience score is forty. 40 percent okay which is really not i'm sure i rented that but i feel like that was just something that was on cinemax or like showtime at the time a lot you know like the very the few windows of time growing up where we'd have like the premium channels as they okay called. uh and i was like a talking horse i gotta watch this <laughs> somebody reviewed it and said hot to trot sounded truly awful it turned out to be worse uh, Hot to Trot is an unbridled disaster, a screwball horseplay so lame, you want to put it out of its misery. If I wish I would have reviewed it as a 10-year-old, because I'd be like, oh my god, you guys, this is a talking horse, this is John Candy, remember John Candy, Buckle Buck, he's a talking horse! Yeah, that's so funny you brought it up, because I, I forget how I stumbled onto it. <laughs> how did you stumble on the Hot to Trot? That, that is, uh, how did that happen? You can get it on what, eBay right now for going, six bucks. What's going on in your life where you just, like, you stumble into a Hot to Trot? Oh, man, how much time do you got? <laughs> <laughs> so, All Dogs Go to Heaven oh, yeah. is, a, is a movie. Uh, <laughs> upon its release, okay, so all the all the gambling, all that stuff. Uh, unfortunately, with it being released on the same day as The Little Mermaid, critics of the film often compared it to the Disney film. While I am a fan of quite a few Disney films, looking back, it was Don Bluth's productions that made me fall in love with animation. Uh, the Secret of Nim, An American Tale, The Land Before Time, and All Dogs Go to Heaven were all animated films made by Don Bluth that I watched over and over again as a kid in the 80s. Bluth had worked for Disney. Uh, had left because he didn't like how things were going and opened his own anime. Like, you studio. guys froze his head. That is what fucked the up, fuck? guys. Fucked what up. What the fuck? Uh, I mean, dogs gambling and doing drugs and you know all this other shit. Fine, but freezing hands, heads. I'm out of here. In '97, Don Bluth would make Anastasia, which uh, I think if, if people have the same brain as me, probably thought it was a Disney film. Uh-huh. I've, I've I've thought it was a Disney film forever, uh, but it's 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 a great. Like, it fits right in with Disney, but it's a Bluth film. His other, his last theatrical release was 2000's Titan AE, uh, which is a very underrated animated sci-fi film featuring the voice work of, this is ridiculous, Matt Damon, Matt Bill, Damon. Bill Pullman, John Leguizamo, Nathan Lane, Janine Graffalo, Drew Barrymore, Ron Perlman, and Tone Loke. Tone Loke? Tone Loke. Funky Cold Medina? Funky Cold Medina. Damn. <laughs> Funky Como Now let me bring things down a lot real quick. Okay. Uh, don't don't start crying again. The voice of Anne Marie was provided by ten year old Judith Barcy, <laughs> who had also provided the voice of Ducky in The Land Before Time. Tragically, this was her final film. She and her mother were murdered by her father a year and a half before the film's release. You didn't have to include that part. I. <laughs> I found it out last night oh, okay. and was like, wow. Damn. That is rough. Uh, yeah, apparently the guy was a real piece of shit. All girls that voices dogs are good to heaven. Oh, so it's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, one, sucks. that one ends with a real bummer. Apparently the song at the very end of the movie is dedicated to her, and Don Bluth went on and on about... Like, so it kind of happened like before the movie came yeah, out. Yeah, a year then? and a half before the movie was actually released. Oh, wow, okay. So, because I think they do... Damn. I think... Probably back then, anyways. At least I'm pretty sure the voice acting happens first, yeah, and then, they draw and then the animation it. happens afterwards. So, uh, so okay. Next up is the wizard. I it, know what number one is, or the last one is. In. Uh, it could have. I could have flipped these easily. Yeah. Uh, this is the sequel to uh, Wizard of Oz, right, with Michael Jackson, and I think Diana Ross is in it. That's the Wiz. Oh, this is the Wiz. Erd. Oh, okay. Like a lizard. Yeah, but, but with whiz. Oh, wait, maybe I don't know the first one, because this has Fred Savage in it. Yeah. 
I was thinking of another Fred Savage movie. Mm-hmm. You probably oh, still know the first one. Well, fuck, you get three Fred Savage <laughs> movies. You're getting that's like a Fred Savage tattoo. Yeah, that's called a hat trick. Oh man, gobble gobble gobble. So, The Wizard is a 1989 American family film directed by Todd Holland, written by David Chisholm, and starring Fred Savage, Jenny Lewis. I saw Jenny Lewis in concert in Portland. I know. Who would have thought the girl from The Wizard that I oh, had, I thought it I had time. a gigantic crush on yeah. as a child. Would become like Jenny Lewis. What is Jenny Lewis in the fur? No, Somebody, I don't know. Forget what her band name is. Yeah, I've seen her. She's awesome though. Uh, it also has Bo Bridges, Christian Slater, and Luke Edwards. Great cast. It was Great also movie. Toby Maguire's uncredited film debut. The ri- the Wizard originally pitched as the Karate Kid, but with video games. <laughs> Follows the journey of a young boy named Jimmy Woods who possesses. I, I was thinking of a more of a Die Hard but video game because there's like Die Hard on a submarine, Die Hard on a fucking you know like uh, Die Hard on an airplane, Die Hard on this. But this is kind of like my Die Hard on video game. What is the Die Hard on a submarine like under siege? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jimmy Woods he possesses an extraordinary t- extraordinary talent for video games. The film centers around his quest to participating in a gaming competition called Video Armageddon and his ultimate desire to reconcile his broken family. The story begins with Jimmy's troubled home life, his twin sister Corey, and he have recently lost their sister Jennifer, and their parents' marriage has crumbled under the weight of grief. Jimmy finds solace in video games where he excels and demonstrates an uncanny ability to conquer even the most challenging games. DuckTales! Woo! Corey, recognizing her brother's exceptional gaming skills, convinces him to run away with her on a cross-country journey to California, where Video Armageddon is being held. Video Armageddon. Uh, they hope that Jimmy's gaming prowess will help them. Uh, talk for a minute. I gotta look All up. right, I yeah. I remember uh, The Wizard came out. It was a pretty big deal because that's how they debuted uh, Super Mario 3. Mm-hmm. Like, before that game even hit the shelves or anything, like they had seen. That was such a fucking genius marketing thing for Nintendo. Like they had like the wizard play and see our boards from Super Mario 3 before the game was even out. Right. And they just made that game so much huger. Or which it was, you know, huge anyway cuz it was Mario, but Mario 2 is not very good. So I think it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a real real good upgrade. So Mario 2. I don't know what happened. So twins twin not twin sisters. But I I did pretty good, didn't I? You, you told did, me to talk good. and I fucking talk. Not twin sister, twin brother Corey, played by Fred Savage. Uh, they lost their uh, Jimmy's twin is Jennifer, and she died. Yeah. So then his older brother Corey, played by Fred Savage, has him leave on this cross cross country road trip. They run into Jenny Lewis. Her character's name is Haley. I have no fucking idea what I was looking at when I wrote some of this. <laughs> uh, well, it's all the tears in your eyes. It's yeah. hard for you to see the screen sometimes. So I always cheer you up when I come over and you stop crying. Uh, they, there's like the scene with like the dinosaur, uh, yeah. exhibit thing. Yep. The, uh, they end up making it to the video of. Armageddon tournament. All the while, Bo Bridges and Christian Slater are, uh, trying to track them down. Yeah. Uh, cause I think they're Haley's, they're Haley's, uh, family. I think. I don't remember. The, I there's don't a remember scene the where, uh, he's, where Bo Bridges is playing a video game in the hotel. Uh, great little cross country road trip movie. Uh, at Video Armageddon, Jimmy's exceptional gaming skills become the talk of the event. He faces fierce competition, including his nemesis. Because that the, kid like doesn't talk or this, the whole movie. Right, does, he's yeah. autistic and okay, has yeah. yeah. So uh, they end up. Jimmy ends up winning the video game tournament and the prize money. Rather than using the prize money to fix his family's problems, though, it's donated to help children with disabilities. Uh, the Wizard is a nostalgic and heartwarming tale that explores the themes of resilience, the power it's an of friendship. Nintendo commercial. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> and the importance of embracing one's unique talents. It showcases the transformative potential of chasing dreams, healing familial bonds, and finding strength in unexpected places. And Nintendo. It debuted at number five on December 15th, 1989, earning $2,142,525 in the domestic box office over its opening weekend. At the end of its run, the film had grossed just over $14 million worldwide. It was based on a $6 million budget. The film was a moderate box office success, after which it became a cult film. It also introduced most American kids to one of the greatest video games ever made. 
1988, a shortage of ROM chips and the preparation of a version of Super Mario Bros. 2. Don't remind me of the ROM chip shortage of 88. What a good men died! Can't believe we made it through it. I know. Bless our Lord every day. Like, imagine going without Wi-Fi now. That's what it was like, kids. Yeah. Yeah, no ROM chips. Yeah, man. Whatever those were. Uh, But a lot of video games were delayed in America. One such product was Super Mario Bros. 3. The delay presented Nintendo with an opportunity to promote the game in a feature film. In 89, Tom Pollock of Universal Studios approached Nintendo of America's marketing department about a video game film, inspired by Nintendo video game competitions. Uh, Pollock envisioned a video game version of Tommy for younger audiences. Nintendo licensed its product for inclusion in the film. During production, the filmmakers were granted approval from Nintendo regarding the script and portrayal of its games. Super Mario Bros. 3 was one of the products shown in the film and was used in a final scene involving the video game competition. Yeah, I didn't make that up. You didn't. I didn't. You did not. Despite the film touting itself as featuring the first public reveal of Mario 3, the game had already been released in Japan during the previous year. Bullshit! With U.S. magazines such as... So I made that up! Electronic <laughs> Gaming Monthly and GamePro having already covered the Japanese version. I miss video game magazines. Yeah. Back GamePro, I used to have... Oh, yeah. And then EGM, yeah, and Nintendo Power. Power. The movie also prominently featured another NES game, Zelda II, The Adventure of Link. That's the one the dude, Bo Bridges is playing in the hotel. Okay. Uh, as well as the Power Glove, a Nintendo accessory that the film definitely made seem way cooler than it actually was. It wasn't easy to use. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... That's funny, we're talking Nintendo too with my uh, yard sale score that I was bragging about. Uh, yeah, what'd you get? I the got the little mini, mini NES, and hopefully it has uh, some of those the games. preloaded ones, it. yeah. $5. That's insane. I robbed that lady. If that doesn't work, I'll cry again. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was heavily criticized, with many critics labeling it nothing more than a feature-length commercial for Universal Studios and Nintendo. See, as a kid, I didn't see any of that. I was just like, this is fucking awesome. What I, my next line is, but to a six-year-old me, it was fucking <laughs> awesome. See, I was at 89. Yeah. See, I was like 10 or 11, so I was like playing Nintendo. And yeah. There's like a picture of me playing Mario 3 with like the the, the book that you would buy, you know, that had all the secrets. Yeah. Remember the cards the you had to turn tricks over? and stuff, yeah. Showed like where all the cards were. Like there's a picture of me playing that with like that book like opened up in my lap. And I was, Mario 3 was huge for me, man. Uh, and then if this was 89, that means I probably would have got my Nintendo... The year before, yeah, or whatever. So this was like, yeah, seeing this, uh, and forty-year-old me completely disagrees with its current approval rating of twenty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It does hold an audience score of fifty-nine percent, which means forty-one percent of the audience can stick a power glove up their ass. Yeah, I want to watch that movie now. I want to watch that and your last one. What was the one we just did? Uh, <laughs> All dogs go to heaven. Oh, not that one. You right. want to watch Princess Bride? Oh no, uh, Hot to Trot. <laughs> oh, that wasn't my movie. <laughs> I know. I want to. What was your first movie? Princess Bride. No, the first first one. Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Howard the Duck. Oh, Howard the Duck. Yeah, yeah. I watched that. Yeah. I want Princess Bride. I definitely want The Wizard on VHS. So. Yeah. yeah, that would be a good one to have. All right. Last one on my list. Mine's not in like a top five. Okay. Uh, I figure. When we're done, I want you to rank them. Okay. Okay. I can do that. So, I'm last, make you. last one on the list. Uh, Little Monsters. Little Monsters, the Fred Savage <laughs> fucking trio. The trifecta, the trifecta, baby. Trifecta. Uh, Man, if you had. Bet on three Fred Savage movies, you hit the trifecta. I didn't realize it until I was doing this list that yeah. I was like, Fred Savage. Left an impact. Man, is there a movie with the Corys and Fred Savage? No. Fuck, I don't think the universe could take it. Let me check, just to I, be sure. I bet they tried. But yeah, Little Monsters, that was that was Howie Mandel uh, played the monster and Fred Savage. And I think his little brother was really in it, too. Like, the, Daniel Stern was his dad. Let's see what I can just remember from it. And that had a colorful cast of characters. All the different yes. monsters and stuff. They'd, like, come under your bed and... He made the bully drink pee. Yes. It's, that was a kid's movie. I watched that movie. So who put piss in my apple juice? <laughs> or who pissed in my apple juice? Uh, he's not been in the movies, okay. of course. Okay, so, yeah, it's a fantasy adventure film that takes viewers on a wild and imaginative journey into a hidden world inhabited by mischievous monsters. The story revolves around a young boy named Brian Stevenson who discovers that beneath his bed lies an extraordinary secret. 
He is an ordinary and curious child who was intrigued by the idea of monsters. One night, he discovers a portal under he his bed. He had a cool room, too. It was he like the awesome one upstairs room. in the attic. It was so cool. Yeah. And he was like a... He was basically a, like a genius when it came to like he was a little prick, building though. shit. Yeah, he was a little prick. He was. He was a yeah. little prick. Uh, he got. He, he started getting the, that testosterone flow, and them twelve-year-old <laughs> boys, man, they just—they're little fucking pricks. When he like he didn't—he <laughs> was intrigued by the idea of monsters, but the reason he ends up uh, discovering this is because he switched beds with his little brother. Yeah, his little brother saying that there's monsters, yeah. and he's trying to prove there's not. Yeah, so he builds a trap. For something he doesn't believe in, and he trapped one. So, uh, yeah, in this fantastical world under his bed, he encounters a lively monster named Maurice. Maurice, who becomes Brian's mischievous guide, introduces him to the whimsical and often bizarre life of monsters. The land of the monsters is a place where monsters thrive on chaos, pulling pranks on humans and indulging in their own unique sense of humor. As Brian spends more time in the secret realm, he begins to form a friendship with Maurice. Learning valuable lessons about loyalty, acceptance, and the importance of embracing one's true self. And peeing in bottles. And peeing in bottles. And making kids. He does that before he. Or no, he doesn't. It's after they. Never mind. It's like a montage. Together, it is a montage. (laughs) I just watched this not too long ago. It. It still. It holds up. Not quite the level of Princess Bride. I still enjoyed it, but I could definitely, like. mm. Definitely geared towards kids, where I feel like Princess Bride is geared towards a wider audience. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, so before you go, on, what was the movie with the imaginary friend Fred? Drop that, Dead Fred. This, these two kind of, even though Fred, I think, probably came out early nineties. I feel yeah. like like these two movies. That was like a, a yeah, like a offshoot of this. A little and bit. I, I just watched Drop Dead Fred again not too long ago. Uh-huh. Uh, it's still very good from all the stuff you remember from it, but yeah. not great. <laughs> I have to watch that. I watched that a bunch. Yeah, I like definitely one of my favorite nineties movies. Yeah. Uh, so trouble arises when Brian's little brother, Eric, follows him into the land of the monsters. Uh, Brian realizes that Eric's presence poses a that danger. little curly-haired fuck. Little curly. <laughs> as the monsters are known to kidnap and imprison human children. Determined to protect his brother, Brian sets out on a daring mission to rescue him from the clutches. Yeah, he gets his friends, they got, like, backpacks, and they get, like, all these all, lights and yeah. shit. They have to save him from the villainous monster. <laughs> backpack. Named you gotta Boy. bring your backpack. <laughs> named Boy. As Brian navigates through the peculiar and call for world of monsters, he faces numerous challenges and encounters a lot of different characters. Along the way, he learns the value of bravery, teamwork, and the importance of confronting one's fears. In a climactic showdown, Brian confronts Boy and his gang of nefarious monsters using his wit and newfound a colorful courage. Colorful cast of characters, by the way. <laughs> Sparked him and save his brother. Through the triumph, Brian and Eric escape the land of monsters and return home in California. Remember the end where they... Have to, they try to go back to the, his bedroom, but yeah. it's already too late, yeah. so they just keep running from place to place. And then they call home, and they're like, We're in California. Yeah, them kids. And then it's like, Where, where, where is the closing credits? What year was that? Did you say again? Uh, I haven't said yet. Okay. Uh, me. Although I did leave off whatever number it is because it only says 198. It came out in the year 198. 198. Okay. <laughs> yeah. According to my research, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any, any year from the 80s. So I think nineteen eighty. I think nineteen eighty nine. What was the Fred Savage movie with Daniel Stern where uh, they switched bodies? That was another good Fred Savage movie. Uh, yeah, Little Monsters came out in eighty nine. Fred Savage and Daniel Stern switched bodies. Yeah, it was like a they wanted where they like look at each other. Ah, like their little soul switch. It was super windy out, so you knew it was. Oh, what was that? That was an eighties movie. I'm um, trying to think of other Fred Savage movies. Vice though. versa. Vice versa. Yeah. That, yeah, that, was a that came movie. out the year before. Fred Savage was big in the 80s, man. But that wasn't Daniel Stern. Oh, was it? That was uh, Judge Reinhold. Judge, same thing. Same <laughs> thing. I mean, I don't want to sound racist. I forgot all about thing. this movie. Oh, I want Vice Versa was my shit, yeah. man. I should be. I got to redo my list now. I got so many <laughs> movies that. Uh,. So, Little Monsters re- was released in the United States on August 25th, 1989, yep. with an estimated budget of $4.5 million. It uh, did not go great. No? It's opening weekend, it made, mind you, had a budget of $4.5 million. Was there the comedian Howie Mandel starring? <laughs> in its opening weekend, it made just over... $9 billion. But the B, but what's, what's your actual guess? Uh, Budget four point five million. Opening 1. weekend one point five million. It made just over 
$250,000. Wow! Wow! <laughs> it would go on to gross just under $800,000. What else was going on at this time in 89? I mean, 89, everything. Yeah, there's so many good movies. I yeah. feel like that was Ninja Turtles, too. Was uh, Ninja Turtles 89? 88? Or one of the sequels in or something? 89 I wonder was, what it went against. E- e- 89, or no, 90 was two. Yeah. So eighty, I think 89 would have been the first I, one. And yeah, summer. Summer's when they came the out a year apart. Come out too. I mean, yeah, this apparently didn't have to stand a chance. Uh, it stars Fred Savage as Brian Stevenson, Hallie Mandel as Maurice, Ben Savage in his acting debut as Fred's little that brother Eric. curly haired fuck! Yeah. Ghostbusters 2 was out, Batman, Lethal Weapon 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Back to the Future Part 2 was about to come out. Yeah, there was a lot of movies out right during that time to go against. Yeah, yeah, not not a great time to try to to have Howie Mandel. Yeah, here's the top 89 summer releases. Batman, Indiana Jones, Lethal Weapon, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Ghostbusters 2, but then there's Dead Post Society, Harry Met Sally, Parenthood, Field of Dreams, Turner and the Hooch, The Karate Kid Part 3, oh my god, Uncle Buck, <laughs> all, these are all like the summer movies. Wow. No Holds Bars was that year, Major League. I Good still, I still what a year for I movies. still haven't seen Monsters on here yet. What a summer. Yeah. But you keep going. I'm sorry. Uh, Howie Mandel's portrayal of Maurice draws a lot of comparisons to Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice. They're little Monsters, number 71. Yeah, it makes sense. Wow. Seven, wow. Overall gross of 793000 Of how much? Yeah, 793000 yeah. yeah. Which they give you some, let's, uh, if I get back to the top, the number one movie grossed <laughs> uh, $238 million. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, maybe don't go see Batman seven times and go see Little Monsters. <laughs> I built a time machine for that. Because I want Little Monsters to do better. Uh, you're not going to be able to watch it more than once. Fuck. I've watched it more than once, not in the day. Not in a day, though. Oh, no. So, Howie Mandel's portrayal of Maurice draws a lot of comparisons to Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice. Oh, uh, yeah. I see that now. But just having watched it, he also... Uh, Either and I might just need to see more more Howie Mandel. Yeah, but he also is very very much like Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yep, yep. Like yep. in his delivery and things. Yeah. So that's Howie Mandel though. Or I, Piper is a lot like Howie Mandel. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like uh, there's more of a vulnerability with Maurice than there is with Beetlejuice. Yeah, oh yeah. Maurice is definitely just kind of like more wacky and goofy. Yeah, and he, yeah, and just kind of yeah. More, more of a, yeah. Beetlejuice is just a bad guy. So he likes to do bad things. The Beetlejuice comparison does make sense though, as a dude named Alan Monroe did production design on that dude Beetlejuice as well as Little okay, Monsters. Yeah. Uh, the the film currently has an approval rating of forty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, right. with an audience score of sixty two percent. And unlike The Wizard, I'd agree with those numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would like The Wizard to be a little bit more even with that, because that's a good top five. Twenty seven percent. Come on. Yeah. So yeah, those are my top five. Um, you can definitely tell there's like a little bit of an age difference between us. Uh huh. like I've got like a little bit more. I like the Corys. You like Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So to rank these, uh, number one's Princess Bride. I mean, I just having just rewatched it last night. Yeah. Like I can definitely say. Uh, then Princess Bride followed by the Wizard. Then All Dogs Go to Heaven, then Howard the Duck, then Little Monsters. All right. Have Solid to be. top five. Now, if I had, if, now you already took Batman. Yeah. That would be definitely like number one or number two for me if I yeah. kept it in my list uh, and knocked off Little Monsters. So, 80s were awesome. Yeah, they were. Uh, just, I'm going to go home and look at my VHS. I know. I was thinking about I needed to go through. Separate the eighties. I think I, I think I might sort my VHS by decade. Decade. That'd be good. So uh, decade alphabetical order. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it has to be alphabetical order. So, so. I'm trying to figure out how this. Like that's line. bothering me right now that I just sure. threw them in there. There's a lot there going on. But yeah, I think maybe separate them by decade, uh, which means I'm gonna have to IMDb a bunch of shit. Yep. Or I guess just look at the back of the box. Yeah, that's a lot of small. But print. I, I like the internet. <laughs> I did, speaking of the internet, I told you already, but I did delete my Twitter, which yeah. is, like, big step. Good job, big, buddy. Because, like, just, it's just awful. It it's is. just terrible. Yeah. We still have the, we still have the, uh, the just, podcast just Twitter. Just text me stuff. Like, if you're like, man, I want to tweet this, just text it and to me. And you can tweet it? Yeah. That no, works. no, just. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I just thought you could be I like, I like hearing from you. Uh, <laughs> well, we do have a Twitter, though, for the podcast. It's mid-age mediocre, M-I-D-A-G-E, mediocre. You can uh, follow us on there. I will probably start being more active on there. We'll be uh, doing some nostalgia stuff, uh, talking about video games, movies, things like that. So give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, as always, Facebook, comment, like. Yeah. We want to know what your top 80s movies are. Yeah. It doesn't Interact. have to be top five. Just give us your top one. Yeah. Or a couple. Or top hundred. Give us a top hundred. If you got time, I'll, In alphabetical I'll read order. it off. Yeah, I'll read it off. Yeah, we will read a hundred uh-huh. movies. Do it to me. Hot to Trot better be on there. Oh, man. I got to watch Hot to Trot now. <laughs> Did I look up to see if that was on eBay? Yeah. You can get Seven it. bucks, I think you said. Uh, Maybe. I don't here's know. one for four ninety nine plus 365 shipping. I don't really want to buy stuff off you eBay. You like to find it? I do. I like. To, I enjoy the hunt. I Yeah. Like, when I found, like, like I really wanted that Nothing But Trouble, the movie we were talking about, when I, I gasped aloud <laughs> in the, the thrift store when I saw that. Yeah. Like, I was, Cliffhanger gave me the same joy. Because like I wanted Cliffhanger when I saw Starship Troopers. I mean, I got some really good movies today. And like I was just gasping away. There's some stuff I've ordered just because I, I don't do as much hunting as you do. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm also now like... Now I'm on Facebook. I'm in the thrift store. Yeah. I'm out in these streets. I try to do the Facebook Marketplace stuff. I don't ever see shit. Oh, my God. Like, my I God. see people's cars and like just random bullshit. That yeah. I'm like, who wants this? <laughs> You're just trying to sell your trash. You're not trying to sell... Priceless items like VHS I bought tapes. Some trash, but I've also got you know hit gold a couple times. But yeah, there are movies on VHS that I've just went up bought off eBay because I'm like, chances of me finding this out yeah. in the wild, it's going to take a while. Yeah. So, uh, but if you know of any, uh, if you're like out there, you know, in the world, and you know of like uh, there's an awesome you know place for VHS tapes, it may be far away from us, but let us know. Yeah. Because who knows? One day we may end up you know taking a road trip, moving from locations and yeah. going other places. What if we go to like some sort of video game? extravaganza in Reno, Nevada, and along the way we'll stop where we can buy VHS. Man, when I was a kid, all I wanted was to be in one of those tournaments. But I was like yeah. I knew I wasn't great at like that good at video games, yeah. but I was like, oh the, like those were my, be the wizard. Those were my rock stars yeah, for a little while. Sure. Yeah. I didn't think it was a real thing though. I thought that was they like, had that that game show on TV where they play. That's that's what I wanted. Uh, there was like some game show where kids would play like Nick there was Arcade. a couple. Well, they had Nick Arcade, but there was another one. It was like on WGN, the Chicago Network, where like they had kids actually playing the systems. Oh, okay. where Nick Arcade was a lot of games where like like uh, more arcade games. Yeah, or like a, yeah, they they would. Yeah. And I think they made some of the games. Themselves. Yeah, they'd be kind of just like a generic like, yeah. jump punch whatever. But yeah, yeah, video games were so. But cool. yeah, I didn't realize like. And then a movie about video games, you're, you're fucking, you're in. So I didn't realize that video game tournaments were real when yeah. I was like that age. I thought that was just a thing the movie had. Now they're professional video gamers. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I wish I would have known that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm pretty sure a lot of adults told me. Yeah. Quit wasting your time in video yeah. games. Huh. Thanks, <laughs> Dad. Thanks, Grandma. No. <laughs> Teachers for ruining my life. Professional wrestling was the route I took, yep. which was also discouraged, but I fought through that one. <laughs> I went through the video games. Your back might be in better shape. I or could probably be move better today. Yeah, maybe. My thumbs would be, yeah. a lot of arthritis in these yeah, old sure, thumbs would sure. happen, but I think I would do better. All right, well, let us know if you disagree. Let us know if there's any of our picks yeah. that you're just like. We'll fight you in the streets. You know, that you, yeah, if you want to you you commit violence on us due to our picks, <laughs> let us know. We'd love to hear it. Bring it. Uh, until next time, you got, you got anything else for the, you know, I'm, for the I'm, I'm spent, six man. people that will probably listen to this? <laughs> I'm spent. You know, you think six, and then I'll get 12, so mine will do better. Yeah, well, okay, I like you know, it. Yeah. I like the numbers. <laughs> I don't like the numbers, but I like winning. You do have the, you, I, you have like the, if I look at our list side by side, I'm like, God damn, those are some, those are some hits. Yeah. Batman, Back to the Future, Stand By Me, yeah. uh, RoboCop. Bat- <laughs> what was your other one? Fuck, I don't License, know. To, License drive. to Drive. License to Drive, yeah. not so much for me. <laughs> <laughs> but the other four are fucking killers. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, until next time. I like your list. Good job, buddy. This is for us. Yeah. Right here. I hope, I hope you don't cry the rest we of the day. We picked five movies. You deserve each. not crying the rest of the day. It's not going to happen. All right. You're worth it. <laughs> Just because I deserve it doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> You're crying already. That's, what, life, that's what life stopped me. All right. Bye. <laughs>